Good morning, everybody. My name's David, uh, one of the staff here at church. Great to be with you. Great to see your faces. And welcome to those as well uh, watching us on live stream. As we come to hear the word of God now, I'll pray for us all. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. uh, And we pray now as we come to it, may you turn our hearts towards you. May you open our eyes to see your truth. Uh, May you satisfy our hearts with your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, peace for our time. Uh, They were words spoken by the British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain in 1938, uh, triumphantly as he had returned from negotiating peace with Germany. Um, That is mostly remembered today because less than a year later, Hitler invaded Poland and World War II began. Uh, Now, if you don't remember Neville Chamberlain and World War II, maybe you remember the Avengers, um, Tony Stark. I always get corrected whenever I mention uh, Marvel. Uh, Look, I'm not too concerned about Marvel, you guys. I just want to give a point here, okay? Anyway, here we go. (laughs) Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, uh, wants to put intelligent robots into space to protect the Earth to bring peace in our time, and he quotes that. Uh, But then, straight after that, the AI robots turn on them and threaten to destroy the Earth, okay? Come and tell me later why I'm wrong about that. Um, But that is what happens in that movie. Um, And so mostly, we see our world just scoffs at the idea of peace, uh, as if there could ever be peace. It's just a dream. Uh, It'll never be a reality. But the Apostle Paul said differently in the passage we read today. Uh, Maybe one of the greatest passages in the Bible on peace, uh, he says, peace has come through Jesus. And now this peace that Paul talks about, it's not just the absence of hostility uh, when no one is fighting, but it's a positive peace. It is peace in our relationships. It is total harmony between people. It's all things as they should be. Perfect peace is what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the peace that we were created for. The peace that we long for in our hearts because it was lost when sin entered our world. But God's plan, as we've been reading in Ephesians, is to bring about a restoration and peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's that great verse that sums up kind of what Ephesians is about, and that is Ephesians 1 verse 10. If you've got your Bibles there, keep them open and you can see this verse. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That is God's plan. Right, so peace in our time, it's no longer a dream, but it's a reality. And so in the passage today, Paul is reminding the Ephesians just how that has happened. And so you see he starts there in verse 11 and 12 by saying, remember. It's already happened, now remember. He wants them to remember how they got peace and to keep remembering it so they will live as people of peace. And so some questions for us today as we're going through, and we'll come to these at the end. Uh, Do you know peace with God? If you do not, you can know it today. And then if you do know peace with God, do you know how you got it? Do you remember? 
because that is what Paul wants to remind the Ephesians of today and us. And if you know this peace and you know how you got there, are you living as a person who knows the peace of God? Because really that is Paul's intention as he reminds them. And we'll see that later. Uh, But very simple outline today for the talk. Uh, You can see it in your Bibles. It's three paragraphs. We're going to look at those three points. You were far away from God. Jesus has brought you near. Now you are God's people. So firstly, you were far away from God in verses 11 to 13. Uh, The you that Paul is talking about here is Gentiles. Uh, And Gentiles are basically people who are not Jews. Two groups in the world, Jews, Gentiles. And Paul wants Gentiles to remember just how far away from God they were. But I think at the same time, just to remind the Jews how, how privileged they were to be near to God. And so you can see how Paul talks about Gentiles being far away in verse 12. There's five points that he makes here. See if you can see them as we read through verse 12. Sorry about the verses, they are wrong. Verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So the first two there is that they were separate from Christ and excluded from citizenship in Israel. Now, of course, the Christ is that Greek word for Messiah, the anointed one, Israel's king, Right, that was the promised king that was going to come and restore the kingdom of Israel. Now, to be a citizen of that kingdom, you had to be born into it. You had to be a descendant of Abraham. It's not like Australian citizenship where you can just take a test. You, you know, you pass that test, you're in. Now, you had to be born into this kingdom and have this hope of a king. But, of course, Gentiles were not. And so they were, the next one, foreigners to the covenants and the promises that went along with that. Right? The best thing about being Jewish was your relationship with God. Right? You were God's treasured possession, as we heard last week. Uh, and God promised to bless you. Right? But if you weren't a part of Israel, you were not a part of that relationship and a part of those special blessings. And so therefore... Point four and five, you were without hope and without God. You see, Israel had hope because they had God and his promises, but Gentiles had no hope because they just had no connection to the God of those promises. And so Paul wants them here to remember that they were far away, right? Really, really far away. Imagine, if you will, being on a tiny boat out in the middle of the ocean, lost at sea. Right? You have no water with you, no motor, no food, no phone, right? no help. There is no hope for you. Right? Paul wants them to feel that desperation of being far away, of being lost. But with purpose, right? So that when they read the next verses, they will feel the relief of them. So verse 13, Paul says, you were far away, but now, and possibly the greatest words in the Bible, because it means God has done something, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near 
by the blood of Christ. And so he comes to the next point, which is that Jesus has brought you near. And he wants him here to remember how that happened. And so he gives him kind of three stages of, of peace and reconciliation. So the first one is that Jesus destroyed the barrier between Jew and Gentile by setting aside the law in his flesh. So the barrier that's, that's between the Jew and the Gentile, that's caused by the law, right? Israel were to be a people holy to God, to follow his law and be separate from the nations, not to live like the Gentiles, but instead to be this holy people that by living that way would be a light to the Gentiles. So they would see how good it is to live God's way, but in, instead of being a light, uh, the law created this dividing wall of hostility, like it says in verse 14. Uh, the Jews and the Gentiles despised one another and they didn't get along. Now, here's an example from history. At the time of Jesus, there was literally a wall around the temple to keep Gentiles out. Okay, there were signs on this wall which read this. No intruder is allowed in the courtyard and within the wall surrounding the temple. Whoever enters will invite death for himself. Right, so not trespassers will be prosecuted, trespassers will be executed. Right, that is the hostility between the Jew and the Gentile at this time. And it's with that in mind that these words uh, really hit home. Uh, Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. Jesus has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Right, so it is Jesus who destroyed that barrier between Jew and Gentile. And how did he do it? By setting aside the law in his flesh. Right? Jesus did that because he completed the law. So he could set it aside. Kind of like if you have a bit of Ikea furniture, you've got the instructions, impossible to read, but you do your best. But once you have completed the furniture, the instructions can be set aside because they've done their role. And Jesus has, he has completed the law in his flesh, in his earthly life, perfectly obedient to the law of God. And so he was the one who could set it aside and remove the reason for that barrier. And so having set aside the law, what does Jesus do? He can then create in himself one new humanity. So verse 15 we read, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And so Jesus brought these two formerly hostile groups together as one. And we heard how incredible this is in that reading from Acts that Evan read for us. Right at the end it said, so even the Gentiles, right, even the Gentiles have received the Spirit by believing in Jesus just like we did or just like the Jews did. And so this is a new humanity in Christ. Okay, it's not Gentiles becoming Jews or Jews becoming Gentiles. Uh, it's Jew and Gentile united in Christ in a new humanity, uh, which we call Christians, a new humanity in Christ. And then the third movement is that he reconciled them both to God through the cross. So verse 16, 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Now, the hostility before was between people, but this hostility he's talking about now is between us and God, vertically. Last week, we read about this. We are all dead in sin, deserving of God's wrath. Now we see the only way to be reconciled to God is through the cross of Christ. You know, and just like, you know, just like Jesus completed that obedience to the law perfectly, uh, Jesus also satisfied the punishment of the law in his death. Right? Jesus suffered the wrath of God that we deserved by taking our sins upon himself. And by his death, he was able to put to death the hostility between us and God. And so Jesus has made peace between enemies, uh, between people horizontally and between us and God vertically. Right? Jesus is our peace. And do you, do you ever think about how wonderful this is, that Jesus uh, is our peace? Uh, Colin Buchanan wrote a song about it. Who knows Colin? Anyone? You've got to help me out then. The greatest treasure in the whole wide world is... Peace with God. Thank you. I'm so glad that worked. That's excellent. The greatest treasure... I agree with Colin. The greatest treasure in the world is peace with God. Why is it so great? Why is it such a great treasure? Uh, Because verse 18 tells us, for through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father in one spirit. What a reversal. Those who were far away, without hope, uh, have come to God and not just come to him, but come to him as father. Uh, That is the greatness of peace with God. That's the privilege of peace with God. And that is what Paul then moves on to remind them of next, this great privilege that they have now, that they are God's people. So Paul does this now with three pictures. Uh, We'll look at the first two and then the last one. Uh, The first two are in verse 19. Paul says, Consequently, you are now, or you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So Gentiles were far away, now full members, citizens of God's kingdom, members of his household. Uh, we need to remember just how good this is. Uh, I, you know, I, it made me think about how good it is to be an Australian citizen. That's a good thing. We don't think about it much. But I used to fly overseas occasionally, and flying back into Australia, they will give you a little card uh, which says it has a few questions, and one of them is, are you an Australian citizen? And I could tick, yes, I am. Uh, another one is, where will you be staying when you come to Australia? And I could write down my home address. And so when we land, I am welcome into the country and I can go to my home. That is a good thing. But in Christ, can you see here we have something greater? Because we are citizens of God's kingdom, of his heavenly country. And we have an eternal home with Jesus Christ. Right, when you make that flight to heaven, you can tick that box. Are you a citizen of this kingdom? Yes, I am. Do you have a home here? Yes, I do. We have hope of that because of what Jesus has done and who he has made us. 
And the third picture then is, that's the first two, the third picture is uh, Paul pictures uh, God's people as God's building. Okay, we're not going to look at this in as much detail, but you can just see here all those building and house words as we go through. So Paul here says that uh, God's people are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So you see here, uh, God's people are pictured as a building. They are like the bricks that are being joined together to make this building, to grow it. And what is it becoming? What is the purpose? It is to become a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now that's amazing. Because for Israel, the temple was the physical place, the visible um, dwelling place of God upon the earth, where they would come to meet with God. What Paul is saying here is that you know, the place that God meets with his people is not in the temple anymore, uh, but it is when they are gathered in Christ, when they are together, that is his dwelling place. You know, we might not look like much here, Sunday morning, Emu Plains, 9.45. Uh, but we are God's dwelling. God dwells among us by his spirit. That is an amazing thing that we do not think about that much. I was reading during the week Acts 23, just in a reading plan, and Paul was in prison. He's in prison a lot in Acts, but he's in prison in Acts 23. And it says there, this amazing thing happens, Jesus is with him. Jesus appears with him and speaks with him. And I thought, that's amazing. Imagine having Jesus with you. That must have been awesome. But then I thought, well, Jesus, he's always with Paul. He just showed up to encourage him and to speak with him. But he's always there. And a similar thing is happening with us as we gather as the church is that God is with us. We cannot see him, but he dwells among us by his word and his spirit. He is here. As we gather, as we sing, as we pray, as we preach, uh, God is with us. Uh, what a privilege that is to be God's dwelling that Paul talks about here. And so Paul, he wants him to remember that. Uh, he wants to remember all these things, that, that you were far away from God. Jesus has brought you near. Now you are God's people. And what a privilege that is. And so here are those three questions just to finish. So we can just be thinking about uh, what we've been hearing today. Uh, do you know peace with God? Uh, if you don't, you can know peace with God today because Jesus is calling people and offering peace to those who are far away. Right? So do not remain an enemy of God any longer. Come to God through Jesus Christ. Receive that peace. You can be reconciled to God today through the cross of Christ. You can know peace with God. You can have hope. You can have the hope of that eternal treasure of eternal life with God. Now, I imagine this is most of us here. You, you already know peace with God. So do you remember how you got there? Do you think about that much? Because it's very easy for us to forget uh, very natural for us just to go into old patterns of thinking. 
Um, you know, we might think, you know, I wasn't that far off. You know, I, I wasn't doing too badly before I met Jesus. You know, it probably didn't take that much to bring me near. I was already pretty much a good person and, and knew all this kind of stuff. And so I'm really not much different now to when I was before. Not much has changed. And when we do that, we really make God's grace look like a very small thing. We make the blood of Christ look like a very cheap thing. And it makes the peace that we have with God, which ought to be a treasure, just look like yesterday's news. Not that big of a deal. But when we remember how far away we were, how lost, how desperate, uh, how hopeless, and then we think about how, how much work was done, the great work of Christ to bring me near. So now I have this full access to God. Right? That makes God look great, as he is. And that also transforms our lives as we remember the gospel that way. It transforms our lives for obedience to God, uh, which is the next thing. If you're someone who has peace with God, who remembers how you got there, are you then living as a person who has that peace with God? Are you living it out in your life? Right, Because Paul is saying to the Ephesians to remember, not just for the sake of remembering and then going home. Uh, he wants that remembrance to impact their lives, to shape their future obedience as they follow Jesus. Right, and really, if you step back from Ephesians, that's really the basic structure of Ephesians. Right, the first three chapters are all about God's grace and his peace and how he's done it. And then the second half focuses then on our response to that grace and how we live as God's people. Right, and so you can see that grace is shaping our obedience to God. And so people who know this peace with God through Christ... Uh, are then those people who also make every effort to live out that peace in love, in kindness, in humility, in gentleness, uh, and to be preachers of peace to the world. I was struck during the week as I was reading some things about this passage. I was reading John Stott's commentary, and he just had a great quote, which I want to read out. It's pretty long, maybe hard to follow, but he really captures, I think, uh, how this kind of truth ought to impact God's people. And so I'm just going to read it out. Hopefully it has an impact upon you. So he writes, I wonder if there is anything more urgent today for the honour of Christ and for the spread of the gospel than that the church should be and should be seen to be what by God's purpose and Christ's achievement it already is. A single new humanity a model of human community, a family of reconciled brothers and sisters who love their father and love each other, the evident dwelling place of God by his spirit. Only then will the world believe in Christ as peacemaker. Only then will God receive the glory due his name. You know, we live in a world that is, is desperate for peace, is longing for peace, uh, but they can't find it. Uh, they are lost and hopeless without Christ. Uh, but if you know Jesus, you know the way to peace with God. And so we as God's church can show the world, we can be an evident dwelling place of God by the way we love each other. And we can 
We can preach a gospel of peace to those who are far away, to come near and to be saved. That is the privilege that we have as God's people. And so if you're someone who knows peace with God, also be someone who remembers how you got there and is thankful for God's grace. But then let that impact you and then work and live as a person of peace. So the world will see that. So the world will see the glory of Christ in us and they will hear the wonderful gospel of peace. Uh, Let's pray that happens among us. Let's pray now. Our glorious Father, uh, we thank you that we can come to you in prayer, uh, that we have full access through Christ and by the Spirit, and that you hear us, uh, that you love us. Lord, we thank you that we who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And Father, I pray that by your Spirit that you would cause us to remember your grace so that we might see the glory of Jesus in the cross, so that we might know the privilege it is to be part of your chosen people. And Father, I pray that remembering that you would give us strength to make every effort to display your peace in our lives. Lord, we pray this so that the world may see your glory, that those who are far off may come near and be saved through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen.